Beyond the Box Set, a podcast where we talk about sequels, prequels, and spin-offs to films that don't have any. I'm Harry, and this is my co-host, John. Hi, Harry. How are you today, John? I'm very well, thank you. What film are we doing today? Was it my choice or your choice? It was your choice, and you chose Gladiator, so tell us why. Tell us about this film. Gladiator. Well, I've only seen it once before this last weekend in preparation, and I... I, I've always been told that as a film buff, which is, I don't really like that term because it sounds a bit like myself, I should have always seen that movie because it's one of the standard. Did you only movies. see it recently then, the first time? Uh, it might have been in the past couple of years. Okay. Um, did you see it on TV or did you make a choice to see it? Or oh, no, it I, I, watched, I chose to watch it. Okay. And, um, well, it's a brilliant film. It's one of Ridley Scott's greatest movies and it's certainly one of uh, Australian guy. Russell Crowe? That's the one. <laughs> well, this is also a great start. It's been a long day. He, he didn't do much else, to be fair. He was no, finished no. this and then and this killed his career stoned up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I saw this. I didn't see it at the cinema. I was too young, but I did see it pretty much quite shortly after it came out. I think that's the only time I've seen it from start to finish since then. Again, it's one of those films I've caught bits and pieces of, and it's one. It's very quotable. So yeah. um, you hear a lot about it. And I kind of went into it expecting it to be worse than it was because there's been so many bad, like, sword and sandal historical epics over the past 20 years. Yeah. And I actually don't think there's been any that's been anywhere near as good as this one. I was really watching it. I was like, this is actually a really, really good film. I can see why Genuine this stands is. up. Yeah. Yeah. It really, it's not something that I'm, I'm inclined to particularly like, but I really did. Did you watch the extended edition? I did. I watched the full... Two and a half hour. I got the Blu-ray. Oh, it was three hours. Is it three hours? Yeah. yeah, I watched the whole thing. Yeah. Do you have any idea what was added to it? Well, I looked it up. There, were, the, 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 there was nothing that stood out to me as oh, this is an added scene. The scene in which Joaquin Phoenix's character has the captain of the guard excuses her men. Apparently, that was mm. an extra scene. I can't remember what else. Okay, there. yeah. I did feel that a lot of it dragged. Now, on the Blu-ray, the extended edition has a, an introduction by Ridley Scott, which is. So unenthusiastic. <laughs> he basically says, "So this is the extended cut. It's not a director's cut. The director's <laughs> cut is what you saw in the cinema. This is just a, the film with extra scenes, which you may enjoy." End. That's it. That's all he says. Like, wow. <laughs> so Very I think strong. this is extended under duress. Really, like yeah, yeah. we need something to flog for the DVDs. That's add yeah. some scenes. It didn't add any extra plot lines that I can really recall. Mm-hmm. I, I guess they were just they were literally just extra scenes. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, I really there was a lot of why they added them then. Yeah, I, well, I guess to flog the DVD. Yeah. No, yeah, People still extend, put extended editions on DVDs just to, a lot. Of, apart from the Lord of the Rings, I don't think many of them really add much. Batman v Superman did. Well, I didn't see it, so it kind of made a lot of the plot make sense. Okay, which well. it did, which it just didn't in the cinema. And was that a director's cut or an extended edition? I don't know. They called it the ultimate cut. Oh, okay. Well, that's kind of vague. Yeah, You'd, that would but, kind but of... it was marketed more than a director's cut would. Okay. Yeah. So and then the Suicide Squad one was called the extended cut. Mm-hmm. Which so. just suggests the same, but more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that didn't solve anything. Yeah. Let's not get into that. No. <laughs> this film was... You know, let's not get into Marvel and DC stuff. Um, this film was a lot more interesting than I thought it would be as well. I thought it would be a lot more straightforward. Like I thought there were some really interesting choices that were made in this film. I really mm-hmm. liked that the villain was kind of inept and feeble. He wasn't really very threatening at any point. Yeah, yeah. And his whole thing was that he just... If only Daddy had loved him more, he might not have been so evil. <laughs> I searched the faces of the gods... <laughs> Always to please you, to make you proud. One kind word, one full hug. Why you must make your chest and help me tight. It would have been like the sum of my heart for a thousand years. What is this enemy you hate so much? 
I like the fact that there was a female character who was kind of complex and was an active player in the plot. She wasn't. Uh, have you forgotten her already? Yeah, I have. Really, Connie Nielsen's character, the Luce- Lucilla, the sister. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I thought she was a strong female character. She didn't like. She was actively like a power player. She didn't just use her sexual magnetism to get her own way. She didn't even get her breasts out at any point. She actually used soft politics. She did, you know, she was negotiating behind the scenes. And she, she played a reactive part, and I thought that was really good. I thought it was really interesting that this, the film opens asking us to root for an incredibly well-equipped invading army to massacre a bunch of peasants, essentially, on their own territory. Yeah. That's kind of a big ask. I, yeah, certainly. I thought it was an incredible scene. It reminded me a lot of the opening to... What's it called? Was Tom Hanks in it? My memory is awful today. Saving Private Ryan. That's the one. Yeah. yeah, it reminded me a lot of the opening of that. Just kind of a massive battle to open a film, but it just it felt so much more real than what you'd get in a Monday action movie. It reminded me actually of the scene in that that the most recent series of Game of Thrones where Jon Snow fights. I was, yeah, yeah, <laughs> where it's it, you kind of disoriented, but that gives you that sense that how disorienting battle might actually be. Yeah. So, yeah, I thought that was really interesting. Well, I think that we've done enough reviewing of the film yeah yeah let's not, get, <laughs> let's not spend ages reviewing it it's a yeah. really good film so um do you want to go first yeah i went you, first last week. you did go first last week so i'll go first okay so i was watching this film you and i went to the cinema last week and we watched a film called la la land yes which was really really good and maybe that was still playing in my mind watching gladiator on sunday yeah because i was watching it and i thought this film would work really well as a musical <laughs> <laughs> seriously okay. no, seriously but hear me out on this because this is a film with a lot of kind of heightened emotional emotion like it's it's a revenge drama you know there's yeah. but there's not a lot of dialogue in it relatively speaking yeah like russell crowe doesn't say much at all in the first half of the film he gets a few good speeches in towards the end but he's mm-hmm. very taciturn like there's a whole midpoint where i think there's like a 45 minute section where he probably has about three lines because most of it's just him fighting or looking moody. Yeah. So yeah, and I like the idea of that being expressed through song, because that's what musicals often do. They express the, unspo- the unspoken. Mm-hmm. Also, uh, I have a re- I really like the idea of this kind of really big, beefy, kind of stacked gladiator guy with the voice of a songbird. <laughs> True. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, he's fighting, he's killing, and then he's I dreamed a dream of you know, obviously not that song that we played, but um, I really like that idea. Yeah. So yeah, I just think it would really work well as a musical. I was thinking of casting. I don't want Russell Crowe in the lead anymore. He's too old now. Oh, what's wrong with his voice? Well, this is the thing. He, yeah, <laughs> from having seen him in Les Mis, you can ask Russell Crowe to sing, and you can ask Russell Crowe to act. You can't ask him to do both at the same time. <laughs> now, prisoner 24601, your time is up and your parole's begun. You know what that means. Um, so I'm not going to cast him in the lead. And he's, he has kind of aged out of that bracket anyway. Yes. Yeah. So I don't So I was thinking for Maximus, cast-wise, you could have somebody like... Tom Hardy or Channing Tatum, you know, someone who can, I don't know how they, if they sing, but who can like be quite beefy and phys- embody the physicality of that character. I don't know about Tom Hardy, but I think Channing Tatum, has he sung before? I don't know. I Does seen, he sing I, in Magic Mike? Yeah, I was about to say, I haven't seen it. <laughs> I haven't seen it either, but it's not a musical, I think it's a film with music. I don't he think seems like the sort of person who'd be up for it, which Tom Hardy, I don't yeah. know. But I like the idea of that discomfort. I yeah. like the idea of somebody being really uncomfortable with it. We'll be searching high and low on the deck and down below, but it's a crying shame. Oh, we'll see a lot of fish, but we'll never clock a dish. We ain't gonna see a dame. Uh, another one I had. Before, before we go on, wh- no. when's your film set? Oh, it's a complete straight remake. It, remake. So it's set in the exact same location. Okay. It's the same story, same time period. Yeah. Same setting. Everything's the same. It's just. With songs now. Yeah. Uh, another idea I had for the character of Maximus, Jai Courtney, the guy who plays 
boomerang in um, Suicide Squad. Uh, yes. Because he kind of looks like a young Russell yeah. Crowe when he's got the beard. And he is really, really beefy. Um, We've gone through a very similar casting process. Really? Okay. <laughs> Spoiler alert for your one. The only other thought I had was Pedro Pascal, the guy who plays Oberyn Martel, the sexy bisexual guy who gets his eyes gouged out in Game of Thrones. Oh, yeah, yeah. No. Again, to, if we're going to make him Spanish, he's not Spanish, he's Chilean, but at least that's Hispanic. So <laughs> yeah. that would at least make that make more sense. Although that, the, the sight of him fighting in a gladiatorial arena might give people too many flashbacks to that horrifying Game of Thrones scene. So maybe he's not the best choice. They could pay a master that somehow. Yeah, maybe. Maybe he could. He could. He could like gouge someone else's eyes out. Yeah. It could be. Yeah. Although I'm, I'm not sure that. I don't want to see that scene again. No, I, really I, I, I don't think that the protagonist of of our film would do that. That's true. I would imagine Maximus in the originals probably does some pretty horrifying things, but because he, he was a Roman centurion, but mm. um, yeah, we don't hear we don't hear about that. We don't see him yeah, doing too I, bad. Don't know if he like is actually doing massive violent things like that or just killing people efficiently. Yeah, true, true. And he does show mercy, of course, although that might just be to win the crowd over. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so Maximus, let's say Jai Courtney's in the running with Channing Tatum also kind of mm-hmm. in the mix there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I thought briefly about casting Russell Crowe as the Oliver Reed character, Proximus. Ah, yeah. But then I thought, again, no, because if anything, I want that character to be more charismatic. Mm. I really want to build up that relationship and have him be kind of really charming and really explain why Russell Crowe would follow mm-hmm. him or Maximus would follow him. Yeah. So, and I don't think Russell Crowe would be able to do that. He's not a very charismatic actor. He's he's a good actor. He's, he's good at doing what he does, which is be kind of taciturn and grumpy and, you know, yeah. physically intimidating. But yeah. I can't see him in that kind of role. So I thought maybe <clears throat> Hugh Jackman, because he's, uh, yeah. he could really pass as a, and a retired gladiator. And he, he is essentially Russell Crowe with charisma. Yeah, he's Russell Crowe, <laughs> a Russell Crowe who can do jazz hands. Yeah. Right? So, and he could really jazz hands it up. He could and he really, can sing. He can, yeah, that's what I mean. He's got the fears of background. He could really do yeah. dance routines. and So I'd love to see him oh. doing like a whole kind of big big jazz hands, like tap root, tap dance, you know, yeah. routine in which he explains his character and his motivations in this film. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I think Russell Crowe is no brainer for that one. Uh, for Joaquin Phoenix's character, Sorry, Hugh Jackman is Hugh Jackman is yeah. absolutely playing that role. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the Joaquin Phoenix character, we need to find someone equally off-putting from the current generation of kind of movie stars. Yeah, he's again good actor, but he's not. He's really weedy and unlikable and Weasley and yes. in most things he does, especially in this, and that yeah. works for this character. So I was thinking of someone like maybe Ezra Miller, who played the guy who played the. Okay, um, yeah. The kid in Fantastic Beasts. Yeah. And uh, he was also in We Need to Talk About Kevin. And, and he he's going to be the Flash in the movie. Yeah, yeah. Well. So he plays a lot of those kind of characters. Um, or I was thinking of the guy who plays Joffrey in Game of Thrones might be a little bit too on the nose. I think he's too young as well. Probably too young, yeah. Jesse Eisenberg, can he sing? If I was real, I'd go to the bakery To garner some pastries for my morning meal And if I was real, I'd probably have babies Most likely a lady to have babies with I can't see him singing. Mm. Maybe that's the point, though. Maybe because he's kind of a, his character's kind of inept. Yeah. Maybe that could pass all the way through to him being a not very good singer. Also, I just want to would jump... he would he sing or would he get like a a bad guy sort of jumpy tune? I think that he should very like talk through most of it. Well, when I was thinking of the so- the kind of songs I put in this, I actually thought most of them would come from him because his character's so there's so many weird psychosexual things going on with that character. So actually, I think there's lots of potential for tortured musical numbers from him. So actually, I do, I do want a decent singer. Okay. So maybe Eisenberg's out. I don't mm-hmm. know. Miles um, Teller again? Can he sing? I got sunshine. Oh, 
Can he be up for it? Yeah, yeah. He, he'd train for it. Or as a bit of a left field choice, Michael Serra. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Who has actually released a folk album? I've not listened to it. He, he has an album out, so he, we know he can sing yeah. after a fashion. So. Yeah. The hurting's on me, yeah. Talk about the hurting. And I will never be afraid. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah. You gave a promise to me, yeah. And you broke it. Yeah. But, oh, yeah, yeah. I did want to mention quickly one thing about the film that I noticed was that, um, I mean, the original film, is that he Joaquin Phoenix's character is almost Doctor Evil esque in his constant delaying of really easy ways to finish the story. <laughs> like yeah. he could, he has so many opportunities to kill Russell Crowe. Like he could have killed him in the room after he disrespects him after he's killed his dad. Oh, yeah. Instead, he sends him out into the woods. Mm-hmm. Uh, he could have killed him on the gladiatorial arena. He's the emperor. He could have killed him backstage at some point. He never does. Yeah. Like he, it's obviously it's plot devices, plot devices, plot devices. But it's so many times it's just like just kill him. Uh, you no. could so easily kill him. Uh, anyway, I digress. Um, <laughs> I was thinking that too. Yeah. For the <clears throat> Connie Nielsen, uh, Lucilla character. Is it Lucilla? I feel like it's Lucilla or Ludmilla or the, the sister, anyway. Yeah. Uh, for her, I was thinking maybe Alicia Vikander from. Um, yeah, I know. Ex Mac. Is it Ex Mac? Yeah. yeah. Or again, I'm, I feel like I'm stacking this with potential Game of Thrones characters. The girl who plays Melisandre, The Night is Dark and Full of Terrors, Carice Van Houten. Because I think she's got that kind of scheming. Brooding, scheming, sexual kind of quality to it. Okay, yeah. I like yeah. that because I like mm. the way that the character is very morally ambiguous. Mm-hmm. She's not just uh, straightforward good, bad, good character or bad character. She's got, yeah. kind of, she goes on a journey. Or wild card, Taylor Swift. Mm. <laughs> there we go. But if you're going Taylor Swift, you can also go with, oh, sorry, who's that other guy from Game of Thrones? Who, the other person from Game of Thrones who is <sighs> Marjorie Tyrell. Oh, um, Natalie, Natalie Dormer. That's oh, she it, could yes. do it, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was thinking of... Yeah, she, she, you know what I mean? Actually, better than Melisandre. I was thinking of Taylor Swift because Taylor Yeah, Swift... when you said Game of Thrones, that's what I thought you were going to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, I wish I'd thought of that. That's, that's better. That's actually better. I was thinking of Taylor Swift because she's got this whole thing where, like, is she evil or is she just a pop star? Like, if you go on the internet, <laughs> yeah. there's all these rumours that Taylor Swift is, is actively evil, which I'm sure is just, like, misogynistic crap because she's a popular singer and she's yeah. a girl. But, um, yeah. But she could... She's a woman. She's a woman, sorry. She's not a girl, she's a woman. So, yeah, I think... Yeah, Natalie Dormer or Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift would get the punters in. So yeah, yeah, and a lot of the times, true. in like when they make musicals, they have like one pop star in the mix so that people will come and watch it. So mm-hmm. uh, you know, she can be our Beyonce, maybe. Uh, <laughs> we could cast Beyonce as what? As as the sister, maybe. I don't know. Let's let's do colorblind casting. Oh, I wasn't thinking of that. I was, I was thinking of Beyonce's age. Oh yeah, yeah, she's probably a bit old. Yeah. So. Not that like she looks old, but no, well, she, doesn't, yeah, she, she doesn't, doesn't look yeah. that age. True, yeah. I love the idea of casting Michael, Sarah, and Beyonce as siblings and just not, <laughs> <laughs> not making any kind of, not questioning it, not explaining it. Just like this is the world we live in. Great, <laughs> deal with it. If you can accept musicals, you can accept this. Like, wow. And for Caesar, I thought maybe Caesar could play Russell Crowe. I'm uh, sorry, Russell Crowe could play Caesar. <laughs> that might involve some kind of, um, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, because yeah. that's a small. It's an, it's like a small role, but it's a. It's kind of a dignified... Um, I feel like you need to get him back. Yeah, I feel like he yeah. should have some kind of cameo. Yeah. And I think that he'd be more imposing as Caesar than he would be as a senator. I don't think he'd yes, just be like because, Senator Because he's just such a... He's got such a presence. Yeah. He always does. And Gladio is one of the few films that I don't really feel he did, apart from just in some scenes where he's giving a speech. Mm-hmm. But other than that, he's always just so big and owns the room. Yeah, exactly. So I think he could be a realistic Caesar. Yeah. And my only question with that is, would Russell Crowe agree to be hugged to death 
Oh yeah, by Michael Sarah. By Michael Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we have to cast Michael Sarah now because just to make that happen. That'll, that'll probably be at the end of a of a musical though, at the end of a number. Yeah, yeah, totally. Oh, totally. That that, that was my thought. There's gonna be a big song like "Daddy, Why Don't You Love Me," yeah. and then it's gonna end <laughs> with Michael Sarah hugging Russell Crowe to death, and Russell Crowe just has to take it. He's just to grit his teeth and be hugged to, to death. What would his hair be like? Crows or Sarah's? Uh, crows. I don't know. Um, just emperor-ish? Like, well, like, because he, he's, he's always got the same hair in all of his movies. True. It's sort of like short brownish hair, mm-hmm. bit of stubble going on. But the but, but Caesar and this had sort of a, not a longish white beard, but a white, yeah. a white beard with some length and long white hair. Well, I don't take much take much convincing to put any actor in a wig. So by all means, let's put Crow in a nice wig and make him grow his beard out. And yeah, I guess he, if he's going to be someone who's dying, mm. he's going to need to look a little bit older than he's in his fifties, I believe. But he he looks so vital, like because he's so yeah. big and bulky. So if he's if he's going to be convincing, although again, I like the idea of him saying "I'm dying" when he clearly could like flick Michael Sarah across the room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm so old and feeble. <laughs> um, is he going to get a song? I feel like they're going to have a duet. That's gonna, a dramatic duet. Okay. Going, Why don't you love me, Daddy? I'm, I don't know. I'm not a composer, but it's going to be a very dramatic father-son duet. So it's just going to be one song that he gets? Oh, yeah, because and... he's not in it for very long. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe he can have a line or two in the opening number. I don't know. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, that that's going to be his big showpiece. Oh, opening number as well. Yeah. I've not really thought through what the opening number is going to look and sound like. I mean, I, I want it to be the battle. Like yeah. I said, it's, we're literally almost scene for scene remaking the film, but <laughs> it's going to have songs instead. Okay. So, I mean, Sweeney Todd showed that you can have violence in mu- musical numbers that are violent. Have you seen Sweeney Todd? Yeah. Yeah. So the Joanna scene where he's singing this lovely ballad while hacking people's throats and stuff, mm-hmm. like that works. So I, like, I think, I can't think of a film that does it. I'm sure there must have been one at some point, but I like the idea of a real big battle scene like that, like hyper violent, so people getting chopped in half and mm. disemboweled, all kinds of things. To, to again, to with the more singing like songbirds, like yeah, this yeah. beautiful song song about you know the glory of battle. You know? mm-hmm. Maybe it's called Unleash Hell or something. Yeah. So yeah, that I guess that'll be the opening song, and then actually maybe Russell Crowe needs a song where he's convincing Maximus to. Um, I'm asking Russell Crowe to do a lot of singing now. I don't think I trust him. But yeah, maybe he needs something when he's talking about his plight, you know, why he wants Maximus to, you know, the, the dream that it was Rome, to mm-hmm, reinstate yeah. the dream that it was Rome. Yeah. So yeah, maybe we'll have to do a lot of singing in this. I still want him in the role though. Yeah. We're going to, he dies, if people get sick of it, they know he'll be dead soon. They'll have to just deal with it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, and oh, by I've, the way, spoilers. <laughs> yeah, I've told you, we're not doing spoiler alerts on this podcast. I refuse, oh, yeah. I'm refusing the king on spoiler alerts. Sorry. No, that's fair. That's fair. Um, Another very small but pivotal casting role is... Do you remember the character... You couldn't forget. The character who's basically... With crazy eyebrows, he's basically a drag queen. (laughs) That guy. (laughs) Yeah. So I want that character to be played by Sia, the singer Sia. Oh, yeah. Because... I think that but character she'll have be like... to show her face. No, because that's the thing. Because Sia never shows her face, so she can wear like crazy eyebrows and like facial prosthetics and a weird wig, and she can just be like the Greek chorus of the whole film. Yeah, I want more of that character. I want her to be. I like the idea of the, of there being like a narrator, and she's like the narrator through song. Is but she also... playing a man or a woman? It's well, that who was that guy playing a man or a woman? It was a man, but because you see him put the wig on, but. Yeah. It's a gender ambiguous character, so I like the idea that she can just be a gender ambiguous. Okay. Um, Greek chorus, one woman Greek chorus, yeah, and also because the like the narrator is normally one of the softer performers in any musical. Like mm-hmm. the narrator doesn't belt, the narrator sings, you know, 
moves the plot along. Mm. I like the idea that in, in this musical, the narrator is because Sia, like, she screams. She's like, yeah. she really belts. So, like, I like the idea that the, the narrator of the film is actually the only one who's really screaming and everyone else is just kind of doing kind of lighter mm-hmm. songs. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so, that's my cast. As I say, plot wise, it's pretty much scene for scene the same. Um, I'm not a composer, um, <laughs> so I couldn't. So you're not you're going to give me a number now. I'm not going to give you a number now, but I did have I did come up with some potential song titles sure, that we could use sure. through the film. So these some we'll give these to Harold Howard Zimmerman or who who was who did this Hans one? Hans Zimmerman mm. was it him who did this one Yeah yeah same music as Pirates of the Caribbean. It really is like the exact same it's score. Yeah. Really annoying because Pirates yeah. of the Caribbean the bits that were the same as this Pirates of the Caribbean did them better. Yeah, he was the same composer, mm-hmm. so he just got his existing music and developed it. And it just really annoys me. Yeah, because I was watching the film and having not seen it in four for like 15 years, I was like, wow, this score is really iconic because I've not heard this in 15 years and I remember it like it was yesterday. Yeah. And then halfway through, I've, it clicked. I was like, oh, no, it's just the same as Paris of the Caribbean. Yeah. I just don't get it. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know if we'll let him compose for this as well. But anyway, <laughs> we'll give these song titles to a composer. Maybe we'll get like a pop star like to, you know, like, like Elton John did for The Lion King. Mm. Maybe, maybe we can get Taylor Swift to write all these. So um, <laughs> some song titles I thought of included um, Daddy Issues. Sure. You never met a human trafficker like me. Like, you know, <laughs> you, you, from Aladdin, you never met yeah, a human yeah, like yeah. me. Kind of Ballad of the Queer Giraffe, because that needs someone picking. You see the line where Oliver Reed's like, uh, you, he grabs Ahmed Jalili's balls and says, you sold me queer giraffes? Yep, yep, yep. That line, I, didn't, I couldn't figure out whether to be offended by that or just bemused by the idea. <laughs> it's so strange. <laughs> it was such a strange line. But uh, yeah, so I want a whole ballad about why, the wh- can giraffes be queer? And if so, <clears throat> how did he end up? Coming across queer giraffes. I, I just feel like there's a song in there yeah. and I want to explore yeah. that. Those giraffes you sold me, they weren't made. They just walk around eating and not mating. You sold me queer giraffes. I want my money back. Um, another axe wound in another groin. Sorry? Uh... Another axe wound in another groin. Okay. Um, that would be the tune of Another Suitcase, Another Whore from Evita. <laughs> um, I think I want to fuck my sister. <laughs> and then there's a reprise of that one. I think I want to fuck my nephew. Because <laughs> he seemed like he wanted to have sex with every member of his immediate family. Like, there was so much weird sexual tension between, yeah. like, with his dad, then with his sister, then with the nephew. Then he goes and, like, hacks at his, the statue of his dad's face and then he kisses that. And it's like, yeah. oh, wow. Anyone outside the bloodline? <laughs> And uh, Return of the Maximus, of course. Oh, nice. So, yeah. And I want lots of choreography. I want this to be a big... I want lots of dance routines. I want lots of blood. I want lots of CGI. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah. And, and title, it's just Gladiator, but it's Gladiator. So it's Gladiator with an exclamation mark. Oh, good. Yeah. So, <laughs> and that is my that is my pitch for a Gladiator remake uh, as a musical. And okay. I think it will work. Gladiator. Yeah. 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 Nice. Yeah, I think it works. Yeah, I definitely think it works. I would love to see that. <laughs> So much. I wish there were more films like that. We should, yeah. We should have musical remakes of more films. Yeah, we should approach people with this. I think this is this is sellable. This is a sellable idea. Yeah, yeah. Again, it's it. Uh, I reckon it's probably going to be better than mine, but you know, I'll build the confidence <laughs> over over the weeks. You're going to have to help me with mine um, okay. because I've got I've got some some ideas of where it is and what happens, but the, most of the plot is very much unwritten as okay. it stands right now. So it's called Gladiator Warzone. Okay. Directed by Michael Bay. Okay. So it's gonna be it's gonna be explosions and action the whole way through. This is this is not gonna be a a necessarily good film. It's not gonna be a subtle film. No, no, no. <laughs> no. It's not gonna be subtle, there's gonna be no musical numbers. No. But it is likely that Megan Fox will be in there somewhere. Okay. 
So it is a prequel. Okay. And it is set maybe five or six years before the events of this gladiator. Uh-huh. Because as uh, Caesar said in the start of Gladiator, the last war finished four years ago. And he hadn't known the peacetime before that. So this film is set at, on at the concluding events of decades of war. Right. Where the Roman Empire takes over a quarter of the world. Russell Crowe is not going to be in this. Not at all. Okay. Well, maybe a cameo. We can decide on that later. Russell Crowe's character, Maximus, um, I was thinking to be played by so, um, Channing Tatum. Okay. Which so, I already, yes. already claimed. Yeah, I know. But didn't really want to change it because you said it. No, no, that's fine. We can um, think as one occasionally. I did think Tom Hardy before mm-hmm. that. Um, <laughs> did you also think of Dry Courtney? I did, but for a different role. <laughs> oh, okay. He's not playing the gladiators. He's playing someone else. Okay. Yeah. I didn't go with Jai Courtney. Jai Courtney is not in this. Okay. Um, I was going to go for Jai Courtney for... Uh, Joaquin Phoenix's character, but okay. that just didn't really seem right. Joy Courtney seems a bit too sort of bulky, and yeah, he doesn't have it. He's not he's not right. So I decided to go with Jared Leto for that. Oh, okay. Oh, he'd really like act up a storm in that. He'd he really would. Be, he'd go all method and weird. He really would. Oh, you'd hear stories all over the yeah. tabloids of him, like I don't know, having sex with his actual sister or something to kind of <laughs> headspace. Like. Oh God. <laughs> yes, and so it's about Maximus who is leading. A group of soldiers, just a small group, maybe five people. Haven't decided who's playing them yet, but it's probably going to be some big current action stars. And, well, they're on a few wartime missions, which we're now just going to discuss. Okay. And as a subplot to all this, some point in the film, he meets his wife. Okay. By the end of the film, his wife is pregnant. Does the wife get some lines in this film? Because yeah, sure. in the original yeah. film, she gets nothing. She's just a flashback. Flashback. Well, there's, there's, there's in present time. But okay, like, she well, she okay, she exists parallel to the plot, but she gets no, literally has no dialogue at all. Well, I mean, the point of her is to be dead. Yeah, true. Exactly. She's a plot device, not a character. Yeah. Do you, Do you know that who that character, who that actress is? No. Well, she's not an actress per se, but she went on to marry Ridley Scott and is married to yeah. him to this day. Or they're a couple. <clears> they're actually married, but uh, yeah, he met her on that film, and then she, she's also cameoed in every subsequent Ridley Scott film. Really. In mostly non-speaking roles, I think. <clears> but, yeah. She in the Martian? I'm trying to think of anybody who could have cameoed in the Martian. I'm pretty sure she'd been in all of them. But ah, there was a press conference. Probably, she was probably, probably a journalist. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, I digress. So, <laughs> in, in your version, who plays the wife? Oh, I hadn't thought about that. Completely... Is this Megan Fox? Or have you already got her aim up for someone else? Yeah, let's put Megan Fox in this. Yeah, because okay. that's who Megan Fox normally plays in a Michael Bay film. Is the main woman that the main character will fall in love with. Mm-hmm. That's what always seems to happen. So. Megan Fox, Channing Tatum. Okay. Match made in heaven, do you yeah. not think? Yeah, I can see it. I'm surprised it's not happened before. Yeah. There's some people that you just that you just think, why has it not happened before? Like yeah. Chris Pratt and Jennifer Lawrence. Mm-hmm. Why has it not happened before It worked so well. So. Mm. Okay, so can you help me with the plot now? Um, <laughs> okay, so is it going to be a... Is it going to be... What, what's, what are the stakes then? Is, is it going to be one single battle that we're building up to, or is it going to be like a travelogue film where they're like fighting all over the world? It, well, they're going to be fighting all over the continent, mm-hmm. all over the world. Don't know where. Okay, all over where. the known world. Yeah, not like those are the Americas. So. Yeah, probably just be like a, a few bits around Europe. I think probably mainly in British places. Okay, because the international audience will recognise like London. Okay, you yeah. always seem to London. <laughs> London's everywhere now. Like what? London's going to be in this film? Like present day London? Not present day London. Did London exist in Roman times? I haven't thought about that. 
<laughs> I just love the idea that there's like Big Ben in your. I wasn't thinking like Big Ben, but I just throw St. Paul's in there. That's, that's always been. Oh, so, what you mean is there's going to be a <laughs> scroll that says London? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let's have. Yeah. Okay. That probably makes a lot more sense. Well, in the original, it was just Germania, like where they were fighting. It wasn't like. This is yeah. this is like downtown Dusseldorf. It was just like they're in Germania. Yeah. So you could just say, I don't know, England. Is it called England then? No, I don't know what it's called. Did the Celts have it at that point? Possibly. Yeah, I think it was like tribes. But I think before the Romans, it was mostly tribes of people just painting woad on their bodies and having lots of sex. Well, that was uh, the next thing. Because a lot of this is going to be set in Britain. Mm-hmm. Um, because you can target this at a British audience quite easily. It's gonna it's gonna include Scots who look a lot like Braveheart. Okay. It's gonna include Welsh people who look a lot like they're all dressed up for Saint David's Day. Okay. And they're all just off in the country, like you know, it's the Shire. This or film something. sounds egregiously racist already. <laughs> it pretty much is, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've no idea what English people looked like back in that day. As I said, they're mostly just like cold and blue and pissed off and hairy. Mm. Oh, it's hard to say. They used to paint themselves with woad, which is like a blue paint kind of thing, I think. Yeah. I remember learning, that, learning about that in school. Yeah. It was good. Uh, help. So, who's, well, I, I'm trying to understand what the stakes of this film are. What, what, what's, what, what's the end game? Well, they're trying to win the war. What war? The well, war. they're just well, the, the, the war. The war where the Romans are taking conquering. So, okay, everywhere. so they're, they're the, again, we're tr- we're asking to, loop, to root for the bad guy here, really, because we're just following them as they uh, conquer much, yeah. various places. Okay. Yes. So, is there an enemy in, in terms of a individual Joaquin Phoenix style character who is our villain? Um, I would say maybe there is a competing uh, group of soldiers. I don't know, a, group, a platoon? Okay. Would, would you call it a platoon back in that day? Well, that might be slightly um, anachronistic, but yeah. we can go with it. <laughs> um, a competing platoon that is just trying to find the glory as well. Okay. And maybe Russell Crowe is just trying to do that. Not Russell Crowe. I'm just referring to him. Maximus. Maximus. Maximus Aurelius. Maximus. Yeah. So Maximus is trying to find the glory, and he's actually... <laughs> Uh, sorry <laughs> um, and I can he, tell him some places um. <laughs> and he's actually trying to do it a little bit more ethically or less violently like, oh okay there's no raping and pillaging going on he's literally just going around places taking command with as little violence as possible so he's Maximus the Merciful Maximus the there Merciful there we go okay so, so he's an enlightened so invader true to, so true to the character yeah okay like, he is still at heart a good guy okay and He's not like just following orders. He's doing what he believes, but he's doing. Is it. he already the general at this point, or is this about him becoming the general? Oh, becoming the general. Okay. Definitely. So maybe the general, the existing general, is the cruel and heartless, raping, pillaging, and maybe he takes moral objections and there's a, there's a better way of doing this. And yeah. maybe he gets the support of the other soldiers, and the general is our villain in this piece. And maybe he's played by Tom Hardy, the villain. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That could work. Uh, so when does he meet his wife? Well, he meets his wife. Are they conquering Spain? Um, yeah, that would make a lot more a lot of sense. But yeah, that, <laughs> what was your idea? Sorry, I, 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 I had no idea. Okay. Yes. So, oh, when can that be? That that could be in the opening of the film. Maybe can they send letters at that point by horseback? Letters by horseback. I don't know. There weren't any letters in Gladiator. There wasn't really a lot. Of, well, people did write because the senators had letters but it wasn't yeah, I, don't know, I don't know if the average soldier again if you want to be I'm just going to say that's in and they have yeah they, they, they write they write to each other by letter and there's sort of narration going on there okay um, that could be where the exposition is okay. of the plot as well when they're just talking to each other like that and so yeah start film 
not the very start, but near the start of the film, he meets his wife and we see them having a having a thing. And then it's later on when he is conquering Britain that a letter comes to him and he finds out that she is pregnant. Okay. So this then conflicts him. So because obviously he wants to be doing his job up there. He wants to get that promotion. He wants to become general of the army. Mm -hmm. He wants to kick Tom Hardy out of the top spot. Um, But also he wants to be there for his child, for his wife and child. Okay. And there's no doubt that the child is his. We're not going down that route. There's no doubt. Okay. He's a good person. She's a good person. She she wouldn't cheat on him. Okay, we're not betraying the characters. No. Are Joaquin Phoenix's and Connie Nielsen's characters in this film at all as Caesar's children? Um, I would say that they are there near the end of the movie. Okay, because um, she is his old flame member. They had a thing before he got with his wife. So is that going to be in this film or is that going to be... Oh, I did not know that. Uh, maybe they can just sort of wink at, wink at each other. When see <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, good looking. <laughs> yeah, and so... Well, that opens the door for a prequel to a prequel ooh. as well. We could just keep moving backwards. There yeah. we go. Yeah. That'd be weird. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so it is... Well, it's just this competition between Channing Tatum and Tom Hardy mm-hmm. to conquer as much of Britain as they can and actually claim it for themselves. Sounds like something people could really buy into. <laughs> yeah. There are count- there are countless battles. There are then battles between the two of them as well when they meet. So it's the main defining feature of this, because you've been very clear that it's Michael Bay, is it's going to be a Michael Bay-style take on Gladiator. So these battle scenes, I'm guessing, are going to be ridiculous. Incredibly ridiculous. Okay. It's going to be great. So it's going to be all CGI. A lot of explosions yeah. from, you know, those massive catapult things they had. They were good. But it's Michael, it doesn't need to make sense. It's Michael Bay. Yeah. If, you want, if you want an explosion, you can have an explosion. Right? Sure, throw a nuclear Can Optimus Prime cameo? <laughs> <laughs> oh, we could fit Liam Neeson in there somewhere. I feel Ooh. like he should. I feel like it's weird that he wasn't in the first one. Oh, I could switch Tom Hardy out for Liam Neeson. Yeah. Or could he be Caesar? Oh. Yeah. If you don't want Russell Crowe in the film, then his next equivalent, I think, in terms of almost aggressively heterosexual actors is Liam Neeson. Let's go Liam Neeson then. Yeah. Yep. Who still can't do an accent other than slightly Irish. Yeah, true. But as we saw in the first film, that's no barrier to success. Fine. You know? <laughs> he could be Spanish, he could yeah. be German. He could... <laughs> Channing Tatum could well be American. Yeah. Yeah, has Channing Tatum ever done ac- accent work? No, I don't think he I has. Don't pi- I can't really picture him in like a period piece. Like I know he's done films set in the past, but like I, I would love to see him in like The Remains of the Day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's like an English butler, I think. <laughs> so yeah, after countless battles and, well, pro- not enough or not very good plot of the section in Britain, eventually Channing Tatum manages to kill Tom Hardy. Channing Tatum's crew take out Tom Hardy's crew and essentially they win. Okay. They go back to Rome um, where his wife meets him as well because I assume that their house in Gladiator is in Rome. No, he'd never been to Rome before. In in Italy? He'd never been to Rome. Had he not? He'd never been to Rome before, because then he sees the Colosseum, and he's like, can you believe a man built that? Yeah, no, Maximus had never been to Rome before. Okay, well, I clearly don't listen to anything. (laughs) (laughs) Well, again, it's a a Michael Bay film. Who cares? I know we've said in the past that you need to justify your plot holes, but um, I think we should have the Michael Bay kind of get out clause. Whereas if if you're going to pitch a sequel that's just all plot holes, you can say, well, Michael Bay directed it. So Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's great. Uh, they go back and they they have an award ceremony, very similar to in Star Wars: A New Hope, where there's just everybody lined up and they walk walk down the aisle to get presented medals by Liam Neeson. Mm-hmm. And I see I didn't give enough to Jared Leto, did I? No, he hasn't done a thing yet. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, that, that's about as much as I would like I thought, to see. I thought Jared casting before I thought plot, clearly. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe but... he's just maybe he's just a again, maybe we're setting up for another film. Maybe he's just like Maybe he's just that maybe they even get just get Whacking Phoenix. What's the age difference between Whacking Phoenix and um Jared Leto? I don't know. I feel like Whacking Phoenix is a little bit older, but yeah. I don't think that that difference in age. So it's interesting that you chose to recast that role. Yeah. And so um, that award ceremony not only marks that uh, Russell... Um, Maximus Russell is the general now. <laughs> um, that Maximus has become the general. It also marks the end of the war. Right. There are no official wars going on. This is now the start of the peacetime. Okay. Um, and coincidentally, this is the day that his baby is born. Oh. Just that's, a, that's, a, that's an easy way to sort of round it off. Okay. And that's pretty much it. It's a happy okay. ever after. It's very Except much happy. Except it's not. Well, it's a happy ever after with, with us knowing that in a few years his wife and, and child are going to die horrible deaths. Yes. Yeah. Um, Is there going to be any foreshadowing to that? Maybe like, we've just got one more mission for you, Maximus? I don't think so. But I don't think there's a point where he says, right, that's it. I'm going home. I'm quitting. Because he's just become the general. He's now yeah. going to do some stuff. Okay. Yeah. Does it make any sense? In the original film, does it make any sense that he's the general of the army but has never been to Rome? Well, I guess there's a lot of armies. Like, you know, there's a lot of territory to conquer. You know, if he's, if he's just been fighting and fighting and fighting all over the world for like mm. two years or whatever it is since he last went back to Spain, he's definitely never been. They make a whole point of it. It's yeah. like you've never been, you've never seen Rome. Mm. Uh, Caesar, Richard Harris says you've never seen Rome. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> it's Again, it's an interesting choice. A, a lot of the choices they make about Maximus's characterization. Because he's not based on a historic, a specific historical character, like making him Spanish, they yeah. just seem like really arbitrary choices. Yeah, that don't yeah. have any, that don't really impact the plot in any significant way, but do make you think. Huh. Actually, that's the thing. I just said at the start of this, I said that he conquered Spain. Yeah, he's Spanish. Yeah, so that's true. Actually, <laughs> what, what a fucking traitor. <laughs> Not popular at home. Maybe that's why he never goes back because he's just yeah. hate like his wife's okay, but his neighbours hate him. Like. Oh, awful, awful. <laughs> All right. Well, um, yeah, that's uh, Gladiator Warzone. Yeah. Okay. I think I can see it. I can yeah. see it happening. Yeah. So we both had fairly reasonable ideas for potential sequels to Gladiator, but I don't think I was have come close to what almost was the sequel to Gladiator. Did you know about this? That there is in fact a. Oh, I did not. There was a briefly dis- discussed film that never got off the ground it was conceptualized by the singer nick cave apparently or written i don't know if it was fully written or basically the idea behind it was that russell crowe's character maximus would be reincarnated yeah and it would be a supernatural movie in which he ended up meeting jesus so wow that was that strangely enough didn't get made that, w- <laughs> <So>. <laughs> that sounds worse than ours yeah i know <laughs> So that could have been a thing, yeah. Um, didn't get out of the ground. Uh, I can imagine Russell Crowe pitching that, though. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Did you know that Russell Crowe hated yeah. the dialogue in Gladiator as well? Like really? the, the, the iconic line of... Um, the dialogue was the best bit. I know, it's so quotable. Like, unleash hell, we were about to die, salute you. Are you not entertained? Are you not entertained, yeah. Uh, the, it was the line, Maximus Aurelius, son of a murdered... Yeah. Father, husband of a murdered wife. He thought, he, apparently he thought it was just garbage. And he said, I'm the best fucking actor in the world, so I'll make this work. But he really had a real issue with the dialogue. So. Wow. My name is Maximus Decimus Meridius, commander of the armies of the north, general of the Felix Legions, loyal servant to the true emperor, Marcus Aurelius, father to a murdered son, husband to a murdered wife, and I will have my vengeance in this life or the next. So yeah, yeah. and he won an Oscar. For that, yeah, yeah so. I think deservedly so. I think as an as a performance, yeah, 
I was. It's definitely an iconic movie performance. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I maybe not. Maybe not the nicest person. Not the easiest to work with. But yeah. Uh, anyway. Oh. Well, speaking of the Oscars, um, mm-hmm. Oscars are coming up soon, isn't it? They are. Yeah. I'm. Uh, I'm quite excited. Tomorrow on uh, on the other podcast that I'm on and that you are very often on, Beer Pizza and a Movie, um, I'm going to make predictions for the nominees for Best Picture. Okay. Um, it is one of my aims in life, <laughs> awful aim, to correctly predict the Best Picture nominees for all the Oscars. Ten? All ten. They've made it really hard for you now that they've all ten standard. correctly, and it's not always ten. Mm-hmm. It's it's a random number. And have you looked at any websites that kind of give you um, awards? Like, there's a lot, there's a lot I, of awards of websites that are dedicated to this to predicting. So I think I, there's a kind of a. I I haven't I haven't looked at any. Okay. Um, I'm trying to keep up with trailers. I'm trying to see a lot of films that I think are going to be nominated, mm-hmm. and. Well, yeah, I'm just going to try and make a prediction. I'm probably not going to get it right first time. If I do, that's boring. Because, you know, I want to keep doing it. Okay. Um, yeah, so it's going to be it's going to be an interesting thing to predict. Because there's always some wild cards. Last yeah. year, Mad Max won all the Oscars. All the technical Oscars, yeah. But, yeah, but it's still... It won the most. It yeah. won the most, yeah. And like a couple of years ago, Gravity as well. Mm-hmm. And would you think that those would necessarily win Oscars? I would uh, expect them to win technical Oscars if they were visually amazing. I think... Um, I wouldn't. Well, I wouldn't necessarily expect it from Mad Max because that was up against that thing like Interstellar and stuff. True, true. Yeah, I think. Yeah. But also, I'm only doing Best Picture. Okay, because not... there's hundreds otherwise. Oh god, yeah. No, who, who, who... And Mad Max was up for Best Picture. Yeah, that's but true. Why would you think that? I mean, who can predict Best Editing really? <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's interesting. Yeah. I I kind of have been follow. I follow a lot of websites that kind of. So I've, I have an idea. I won't spoil it for you because mm-hmm. I don't want to ruin your game. But I have an idea of the films that are going to be probably nominated for for the acting and perform. But, um, like best actor, best actress, and for best picture. Yeah. Uh, so I made a, I made a little calendar yesterday of when they're all out in the UK. I have a busy few weeks. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna be like in the cinema constantly for the next six weeks. So they're all released in like this really tight six week period. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Apart from ones that have been and gone. Uh, yes. So yeah, I love Oscar season. It's my favorite time of year. Yeah. Um. Do you reckon La La Land's gonna be nominated? Oh, unquestionably. Yeah. Absolutely. That's without a doubt gonna be it's gonna yeah. take a few, isn't it? That's that's gonna be one of the front runners. I would say. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, I think that definitely concludes Gladiator yeah. and Gladiator Warzone. You've got to sell it. Well, I was trying to say it like a robot. Oh, okay. oh I see. Like, was that Optimus Prime doing it? Maybe, yeah. In a world <laughs> wrecked with violence. <laughs> cool. Well, um, I think it's your choice for what next, what next week's about. Yeah, and I have got a suggestion. I have an idea. Okay. Because so far we've done two films that are kind of quite well respected that yeah. were won a lot of awards kind of iconic and kind of didn't have sequels because yeah. they didn't really the, the plot didn't really lend itself to a sequel it's like gladiator it could have it potentially not, again not we've got a dead lead character so that you know yes. much like titanic we have the problem of a dead lead and like actors playing those roles who would be very difficult to replace yeah um <laughs> so for this one i thought we'd take a little bit of a left turn and go into a film that didn't get a sequel because it was not very good and also a film that is based on a character who's having a bit of a moment right now for various reasons so i suggest that our next one is going to be the super mario brothers 1993 movie oh dear yeah i've not seen that and i saw a youtube video about it oh you saw a youtube video where it was mentioned maybe a month ago and that's the first i ever heard of it it's i've not seen it since i was a child i have very dim memories of it i remember it being bewildering yeah we also it's continuing our theme of having to deal with mortality because uh, bob hoskins who played mario dead mm. uh, so that's gonna be yeah, very sad that's gonna be an issue but i think we can overcome it yeah so are you happy for us to do super mario Bros. next week certainly yeah could be fun so yeah look out look forward to that yeah that'll be wow 
Oh, I'm, trying, I'm just thinking of different thing, different plots I could do. We need to watch the film first. Yes. Because it's oh. very plot-driven. Oh, yeah, it's it's very be, heavily plot-driven. It's got to be a sequel to it, hasn't it? It can't just be a Mario film. No, it has to... Well, mm. To be fair, we, we have said... We've, we've done reboots and we've done remakes, so that does give you kind of an open... True, true. Cool. Yeah. All right, well, yeah. Please tune in next week. And if you have any have any questions, we normally come up with questions to ask people. Well, I was thinking that we could do a thing once people start listening to us. Fingers yeah. crossed. Uh, if you have any better ideas for how you'd like to pitch a sequel to Gladiator, uh, send them in to us at Beyond the Box Set or on our Facebook, Beyond the Box Set, or email us, beyondtheboxset at gmail.com, and we'll read them out on our next episode, or on a future episode. And I think that might be a running thing that we do. We will... Yeah, that'd be really good. I'd love to hear other people's ideas. Yeah. Um, so send ideas. us your ideas for how you would like to pitch a sequel, or remake, or reboot of Gladiator. And if you've got any for Titanic as well, we didn't, we didn't do this last week, so yeah, send them yeah. in, and, get, and we'll give you a shout-out. Oh yeah, that'd be great. Mm. Yeah. Alright, well, um, see you all next week, I guess. Yeah. Bye.